DJ and PK, it's 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. We're joined now by David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz. His weekly appearance here is brought to you by the Murdoch Auto Team. David, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Uh, I'm good. How are you? Why do you chuckle with my excitement to talk to you? Because uh, it makes me laugh. <laughs> this You're is funny. one of my top 25 things that happen every week. Oh, nice. Sweet. We made the AP Top 25. I like it. That's the right. D- the DL Top 25. You are on the DL Top 25. All right. What jazz fans would like on their Top 25 is a jazz win in Milwaukee right now by 10 or 15. Solid-looking performance. You grew up uh, with the uh, Carmelo Malone poster on the wall. Your fandom's well-documented. Now you've been calling the games for, what, I don't know, about a decade? How long has it been? I think I went. Year 12? Year 12. Okay. So year 12, you've seen a lot of stuff. You've talked to a lot of people. If you had a magic wand right now and you could wave it and fix one thing with the Jazz that would have the biggest impact and get a win over the Bucks, and everyone's happy uh, going to bed tonight, what would it be? Oh, I mean, this is so simplistic, but and unfixable items. I mean, Donovan and Boyan just have to be better, right? Like they're our two best offensive players. This isn't. This, I think we have some items that will be difficult and hard for us to fix throughout the year, but on the items that like I can wave a magic wand and get back to normal, like Boyan and Donovan are not Boyan and Donovan right now. So let's let's get them back to where they need to be. You were talking about listening to you on the broadcast the other night that uh, you had some uh, numbers. Hi, PK. As how are you? I'm doing, you know, about as well as could be expected. Mired in a two-game losing streak. My spirits are down, but I suppose that they'll rally over time and will be where we're all supposed to be. That's the way I look at life. But nevertheless, I go on. You were talking about Bogdanovich. He's better uh, with certain players out on the floor. And I remember Gobert, and I think there was somebody else. And rather than just tell me, okay, the numbers show – can you dive into it a little bit better and explain as to why the numbers show what they show, that Bogdanovich is at his best when Gobert and, and I think one or two others are out on the floor? So last year they really matched Boyan's minutes almost entirely with Gobert, um, which means you know he's gotten a, if he's coming off a pick, he's got an elite pick setter. He also has that rim-rolling force, and so um, you have – he's probably getting a little bit better looks um, and higher quality shots, um, particularly that corner three when, when Rudy's on the floor and teams are so worried about that pick and roll, or even if, you know, I don't think this shows numerically, but when he's on the floor with Mike, we can just kind of intuitively look at it and, you know, there's another elite level shooter. Um, Defensively, I also think it's just a lot less burden on bogey because he's got Rudy behind him. I think that was the premise of, of that decision last year was to put those two on the floor together. Um, so for a defensive purposes, and honestly, I didn't really realize they did it until Boyan got hurt and we went to the bubble and I went to try to look up lineup numbers and there weren't any because Boyan and Rudy have been on the floor for every minute together. Almost. Um, they didn't do that to start this year. And Boyan's numbers, as you mentioned, were dramatically different with and without Rudy on the floor. Um, and so in the last game, we saw them move that, substitution pattern back where they play together. The other one that I think you probably heard referenced is, you know, it's just familiarity. Donovan and Derek 
have never had a great rhythm together. When Derek was with us, Donovan wasn't running the pick and roll as much as he is now. Joe was doing a lot of that. Donovan and Derek didn't have a great pick and roll communication uh, report either offensively or defensively two years ago and they haven't picked up one yet this year either so Donovan what the Jazz did last year was that Donovan Boyan and Rudy played almost all those minutes together it's a little hard to go find statistically to show now because we have all those bubble minutes that don't have Boyan Um, but of Boyan's possessions almost all of them happened with Donovan and Rudy last year and I think they're heading back in that direction with with uh, Bogdanovich, um, you know it's it's a small sample size. It's a few games, so there's that. There's the thought that uh, I wonder if he is totally honest about how his wrist field and pushed to come back as soon as possible, and so maybe it's a little too early there. And then there's the more nagging concern: the surgery didn't fix whatever is wrong, and this is going to be a big problem going forward. Do you believe any one or any combination of those things? Well, I think all of them are totally viable, and we don't have enough data to know whether any of them's right. That wrist surgery is, you know, I haven't looked it up again, but when it happened, I remember kind of searching the internet and finding it, and it was it seemed significant. Um, and you're dealing with a shoot, you know, you're dealing with a wrist on a shooting hand, right? Like, I mean, just intuitively, I think it's showing up around the rim. Uh, I believe my numbers are still accurate. I think he's 13 of 39 in the paint shooting to me that touch and that would say that maybe you know it's a little stiff and it's not quite back to where it is um the other thing i would say that i think is um interesting about um him is he said this himself in a press conference the other day that he doesn't like to to wear anything and that's true like if and i've talked to him about this before if you if you look he doesn't wear sleeves he doesn't wear leggings he doesn't like things touching his body when he's playing, I actually think he was late to tape ankles. I don't know what his status on that is now, but I know he told me that when he was young, he never wanted to tape his ankles. Uh, he might have come around on that over time. Um, but he he doesn't like to have things on him. So the fact that he's wearing something tells me that he's bothered by it. When you say Donovan needs to play better, is it a matter of just simply making more shots or there's deeper than that? I want to make the most – unnumbers comment I've maybe ever made and I kind of hate it because I like to be able to back up things and I don't like these type of comments so but I'm going to just throw it out I don't feel like he's in sync with his teammates I don't feel like time and place and score and flow of the game is matching what he needs and what his teammates need. And so that's probably what I'm talking about. Now there's two other ones like his off the bounce three is at about 24%. I think there's three players in the league that are worse than him right now. And off the bounce threes like Anthony Edwards is one of them. It's interesting. Luca's one of them. I don't know about after last night, Bradley Beal before his 60 point was one of them. So, I mean, it's really good players. It's not something that's going to last, but he's got to get that off the bounce three going a little bit. Um, and then that floater is always a little bit of a struggle. But, I mean, he's shooting, what, 31% from three right now? So, I mean, that was, I could just have gone numbers there and say that. But I do feel like – I don't know. I just don't feel like there's I, – I, I can't put a 
Is anybody else feel this? Am I on my island here? Like, is this a no, stupid thought I, on my part? Like, I, are you, I, do you hear what I'm saying a little I, bit? I do, and two things come to mind. Uh, if, if you're shooting poorly, the number one, two, three, four, five, six, and seven things you need to do is just get back in the gym, get up 100 shots, get up 500, get 1,000, whatever the problem is, do it over and over. Repetition, you'll get in a groove. If you're a shooter, you will figure it out if you just keep shooting. I don't know in COVID times when they're on the road what kind of access they have to gyms and how much – that's possible. And then the other thing is, when you had a playoff series like Donovan Mitchell had, I wonder what's going through Donovan's mind if it's like, hey, I'm the star, I'm the guy, I'm supposed to be able to go and fix this, not just for myself, but for the whole team. I, I, I should be able to just take and go fix it. Balance versus, hey, we put this into the blender, whoever gets the shot gets the shot, but we get these guys in a scramble, somebody can get a wide-open shot. I wonder how much he has those two competing thoughts in his mind. Yeah, I think you're – I feel like there have been – I got to get myself going shots that don't match what the team needed at that moment. Um, because I think in his mind, he thinks he has to get himself going for the team, mm-hmm. right? Like, it's not – Donovan's the best. Like, there's not a it's not a bad thought in his head here. Like, don't misunderstand what I'm saying. Donovan's the best. Like, um, but he's – you know, and I think there's a lot of pressure to follow up that performance, right? Like – I mean, he was pretty great in the in the, and so I think there's a lot of pressure on him on like, well, am I a star? And I just got paid, and you know, so what am I? I think there's a lot of that that's going on also that you, um, um, that you know, you have to try to figure out how you're playing inside of that realm and and self expectations. Um, so I just think there's a lot, and then I mean, frankly, Donovan on his con on his um, press conference about his contract when asked about what he thought had kind of changed the most for him, he said, well, my off the bounce three is what's really changed my game and who, you know, who I am. Well, you know, he knows that he's taking the seventh most of anyone in the league right now. Um, and he's hitting 20% of them. So, um, he knows that's an important shot. He just, it's not, it's not going in for him right now. And, you know, the other guys that are struggling like he is other than Anthony Edwards have all taken about 10 of them. So it's a vital. It's in Luca. Luca's taking thirty-seven, and and they're all you know they're scu- those guys are all scuffling with that shot right now. I think um, I do think that's an early season shot, and your body's not quite right early season. You're not on perfect balance. You're not at your elite peak, and I think that there's some, you know, he may just be that that that's just got to get right. So, speaking of early season, we're still obviously in that. And as you look at the standings, the top of the East is the Sixers, and the top of the West is the Suns. What's real right now in the league? Got no idea. I really don't. And I can't figure out, because of the unique scheduling, like, you know, like, everyone wants to say Philadelphia is real, okay? Oh, Phil, like, they're like, right, you agree with me? Like, everyone's talking about Philadelphia. Okay, they lost to Brooklyn last night without Kevin Durant and without um, Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving. Have you looked at who they've played so far this year? Because we have this wacky schedule where, like, you play a bunch of teams twice. Like, everyone's just in love with Philadelphia, who's seven and two now. Here, they played the Wizards twice, the Knicks once, the Cavaliers, who they lost to, the Raptors, the Magic. They played a back-to-back with Charlotte at home. And then Brooklyn, like, so they, I mean, the Knicks are okay, but otherwise, 
Like their big win is Orlando. I get. I mean, they just haven't played anyone, and they haven't traveled at all. Orlando, who's what six and two, like played yeah. a doubleheader against the Wizards, played a doubleheader against the Cavaliers, and played a doubleheader against the Oklahoma City Thunder. How, how do we have any idea who these teams are? There's only three teams with winning records in the West right now. And so I'm wondering if, uh, and, and there are a bunch of teams at 500, but tomorrow morning that number could change dramatically, right? But there's three teams with winning records in the West. I'm wondering are, how much is the basketball being impacted by the no fans, uh, the inability to, to practice or do shoot-arounds uh, depending on what city you're in and on the road and all that kind of stuff. How much of this is complete weirdness that is just going to be part of this season? We're all going to have to get used to it, but people like me who like to look at trends over years in the NBA should just throw that out all the window because this year is going to be really different. I I think that's the answer. I'm just having a hard time. Like, I think Phoenix deserves – like, Phoenix feels pretty real. They play, like, a normal schedule. They've played just games. They've traveled a little bit. They did play a, a back-to-back doubleheader against the Kings where they lost one of them. Um, but they feel, like, somewhat – legitimate the way they're playing right now. And I think we all thought they'd be good. And then the question is going to be how long the hamstring lasts on Chris Paul. Um, I think the Clippers have played like a fairly normal schedule. They've played no strange back-to-back games, but they've just been weird in some of their losses, right? They've lost to Dallas by 50. They weren't very good against us. They lost to the Spurs and then they were okay against the Warriors. Um, but they're doing the back-to-back thing now against the Warriors. So, um, They've played a fairly normal schedule, so it's yeah. I, I don't have any feeling. I mean, you can look at some things like I think Cleveland's forcing opponents into twenty percent of their possessions into turnovers. Okay, well that can't last. You know, frankly, teams are shooting forty-two percent against us from three. That can't last either. Um, I think Phoenix has teams shooting about twenty-eight percent from three against them. Last time I checked, that can't last. So there are all these little numbers that are out there that that skew things a little bit right now. And then the scheduling, and then you pointed out the shooter runs. We're shooting around today. It's the first time all year. It's the, I'm stunned because we just, you know, we have to, but to shoot around right now is so difficult. Um, and maybe because Milwaukee, everything's so close, you can do it. But to shoot around right now, you have to get everybody tested or you have to get everyone to take the test. Then you have to get the test sent to wherever the testing facility is, then the testing facility has to process them. Then everyone has to be negative. What's this? Two hours? Are we at two hours at this point, you think? Yeah, I think. Then you can leave the hotel to go to the arena to practice, to shoot around. But not until that's done can you start a shoot around. So now Milwaukee, where the hotel is two minutes to the arena and probably therefore two minutes to the testing facility, Maybe you're able to do this. But in New York, you can't shoot around. And frankly, in Utah, it's hard. Like, even on a home day, if you – and our, I think our testing – I don't know where the testing is, but I think it's all – like, I think they actually have testing capabilities in the facilities now is what I've read in the latest NBA protocols. I'm not certain of that for us. I don't, I don't know how it works. But let's say it is. Even then, you probably have a 45-minute lag by the time you test and get all the results and can practice. So – you know, shoot arounds at 10. Well, if you want to get an hour and a half of work in before shoot around, what are you coming in at 7:30? So, as Quinn keeps saying, like every practice and shoot around has to be weighed against sleep and rest for your players. And players have their routines that they want to do. And 
So if you want to get your routine after shoot around, which is you leave at 1130, have your lunch, take your nap by, you know, noon or one, be up by three, get to the arena by 430. And you're going to do shoot around at 10 to do that. And you got to do your testing. Then everyone's probably got to be in the building by eight. Well, that screws that a lot up. So this is really complicated this year. So I think we, I have no idea. Um, I, you know, I can look at the numbers, right? And so um, one of the numbers I think is really important is your effective, your location field goal percentage for defense. We're fourth in the league. Okay, that's a great sign. We'll get that. We'll get, we'll be good. Right now we're allowing um, half our shots at the rim. That We'll fix that and we'll be the number one or two um, location defense in the league. That's super important over the long course of the season because things even out. Um, you know, the Knicks look really good. Teams are shooting 29% on, against the Knicks from three. That's not sustainable. It'll get up to 34%. Even if they're the best in the league, it'll get to 34%. We're last in the league right now. Teams are shooting 41% from three against us. It's never happened in the history of the game that someone's done that for a whole season, and it's not going to happen this year. So even if you're the the worst three-point shooting defense in the league, which we're not going to be, that number last year I think was you know 37% or something like that. It's just so that that'll get it was 38% last year. It'll get fixed. Um, so I think um, I think there's a bunch of things that are heading and you know that'll even out over time here. How about the soft turnovers? They're kind of driving me crazy. What do they need to do to fix those? Uh, pass with two hands. That seemed good. Sure. It's actually that, not true. It's actually not true because, frankly, in the NBA, you do have to throw a bunch of one-handed passes. But, boy, it feels like all of our little soft one-hand, yeah, I'm with you. Um, I'm not a – like, there's – I hate turnovers. the stat. I think it's a really misleading stat. The stat to look at is opponent steals. And our opponents are, I think, have 11 steals in the last two games, each, each game. Uh, 13, 11, and 11. That's outrageous. So 10% of our possessions right now, we're giving up a live ball turnover. That's not okay. And it seems like a lot of them are guys who are dribbling out near half court. And you have told us over and over again about, hey, when you when you lose the ball there, and it's just you know it's one on none or two on one for a layup or a dunk, and that's right. that's gonna that's gonna beat you pretty quickly. But it's it's multiple guys. I mean, getting their pocket picked is the announcer cliche, and I'm hearing it over and over. It's not all bad passes. It's guys losing the ball on the dribble. Well, let's go to gambling for a second. What's the line in most games? Oh, it seems like it's five points. I mean, it's okay. a lot of games. Right. Yeah, five or yep. six. So, and I think the steal average in the league is seven per game. I think it's six or seven. So, if we're suddenly giving up three or four more live ball turnovers a night, you know, one of one, you're losing a point for your own half court possession at that point. Okay. And then the difference between someone taking the ball out of bounds or coming up the, you know, off a turnover, the average in the league last, I think, let me pull it up, last year, I think was, you know, is about 0. 0.4, 0. 0.5 points per possession if, you, if it's off a live turnover. So um, half-court possession is a 1.0 and 6, and a live ball is a 1.26. So it's 0. 0.2. So you – 
You go kill your own chances to get a, a possession, cost you about a point. You're giving them a fast break layup the other way. It's costing you about half a point. You do that three times a night. That's the line, right? Yeah. Like it. This is why Rick Carlisle said to me, he called them fatal turnovers. He says he's changed it now to catastrophic. Um, he said to me once, you do that three times a night, you lose. He says it's just almost impossible. Math. You have to be so exceptional if you give up the above the free throw line live ball turnover that they take the other way for the dunk three times a night, you'll lose. And we're, that's kind of what we've done the last few games. Now, we lost by 34 in one of them, so I'm not sure it impacted the game. But in the Knicks game, you know, Austin Rivers' little weird flurry, and the, there's a two-play sequence where we do everything right and they do everything wrong, and they actually get dividends and we don't. doesn't matter as much if you're up six than if you're tied. We'll get there. Good. So one thing a lot of people have tweeted at us about is uh, the the smaller perimeter player. There's a history of that player. Uh, we used to refer to them as point guards, but some of them shoot too much, and point guard doesn't seem like exactly the right term. But a smaller perimeter player who is, if not quick, at least elusive, uh, has really hurt the Jazz and had some huge games, and that the Jazz don't have anybody – who's exactly right to defend that. Some of the guys who have more size maybe don't have the quickness. Some of the guys who have the quickness don't have the size. Um, you know, we can go through some of the great teams in NBA history, and they had three six six guys who could just stick to a six one guy all over the court and just be an enormous problem. The Jazz don't seem to have that. Uh, is that going to lead to some type of – trade over the year or is there someone down the bench who's going to work their way into rotation will it lead to some kind of change or is this just something that this group of guys this eight or nine man rotation is just going to try to figure out and live with um i mean i think it's a weakness it's just kind of you know for all the strengths we have you gotta have some weaknesses that's it um the number one isolation defender in the nba last year was rudy a lot of that's in the post and so it's a little misleading but actually um I know someone who ran some numbers on isolation defense on the perimeter, and Rudy was top 10. Um, so maybe a willingness to switch more than we've had before. And so that it's hard that Rudy ends up guarding Dame and J- Jamal and those guys out at, at 30 feet, but hopefully that's getting the ball out of their hands and then they're giving it up to somebody else. And then Rudy somehow has to get back and defend. Um, but Rudy is our best perimeter defender as well as our best interior defender clone rudy <laughs> be so good if we could have five rudies i don't know how we'd bring the ball off the floor but nobody would ever score that wouldn't be a very entertaining game no that would be really boring rudy lobs to rudy and rudy dunks yeah All right, David, we will leave it right there. We appreciate the time. Thanks Thanks. for joining us, and we will hear you on the broadcast tonight. The pregame with Jake Scott and Tim Lacombe is at 5, and then you are up at 6 with the Booner. All right, see you guys. All right, see you. David Locke, radio voice of the Utah Jazz.